The following is a presentation of the Belly Up Sports Media Network. This is the main event. <laughs> this is your main event, Mark's Podcast. I'm your first host, lifelong wrestling fan, former radio guy, Cat Dad, and I'm counting down the days until I can cut into the bird and give thanks. I am Troy, and with me here soon is the main event collector and figure hunting warrior. He is the WWE Walking Wrestling Encyclopedia and the Diesel to my Bret Hart. Give a big truckhorn welcome for Greg. And ladies and gentlemen, it is just I today for now. Greg will be uh, on the podcast here soon, but we're changing things up a little bit because our schedules are all foobar this month. It's uh, it's it's mostly on my inflexibility uh, with certain times of the day. Uh, Greg usually has the uh, late afternoons and evenings off, whereas my schedule's been it's been packed for a while. So we're making do with what we got through the month of November. If you heard last week, uh, thank you very much for checking it out and downloading it, and thank you for tuning back in again, but it was our last normal podcast for November, maybe? I'm not quite sure yet, uh, but we'll keep you updated on that. But we're still chugging along, man. Last week, we did NWA Starcade 1984. That show was something. It was the uh, the Million Dollar Challenge, and uh, it, it, was, it was fun. I'll say that, but... This week, though, it's not all me, uh, but the first part, the majority of this podcast, will be me flying solo. I hope you stick around and you enjoy what we got. Uh, in the vein of our traditional podcast, I will bring you the news and notes per use. Greg just won't be here for them. I, I will have a cue to uh, send you back in our archives at one point for some of these stories, and I'll explain when I get there. But uh, I will be covering in full the news per usual i'll try to keep it uh light and fun and uh, i will be using the soundboard per usual and all that trying to uh, keep you all engaged i've got a lot of stories for you we're going back to 1995 one of the worst years in professional wrestling history definitely the worst wrestling year of well i don't know greg and i always talk about this we're like you know 1995 deservedly gets a lot of hate it was a, a horrible year all the way around, financially and just in the product that we were f watching and whatnot. Uh, WCW was not good, although it got better towards the end of 95 after Nitro came along. The WWF was mostly crap. ECW was always crap, in my opinion, and in Greg's. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. 1993 was a pretty bad year as well. We reviewed a bit of 1993. That year was... Oh, man. It was just boring. I, I'm assuming, I don't know what the numbers look like. I'm assuming the numbers weren't great for things. But just all in all, 1993 was insanely boring. But 1995 was bad all the way around. Business was down. But it was the start of the Monday Night Wars. And we'll touch on that a little bit in our top story that we've got in the news and notes. Uh, Greg will be joining me for the actual event review. This is kind of an older uh, recording that we made, so the quality's going to be a tad different from the rest of the show. I hope you guys bear with us and stick with it. It is Greg and I still having fun and 
cutting it up and whatever for the uh, for the Survivor Series event, and we're trying to keep it topical since it is, um, you know, Survivor Series season, and Survivor Series in today's times is right around the corner, right along with uh, Thanksgiving here in America. So I hope you enjoyed that review. Like, and it's like I said, with it being older, it wasn't the current format that you're all used to. It's similar, but it's a little different. And then I'll come back in for the wrap up after the news and notes. So, like I said, we're gonna have fun with this. Uh, I'm looking forward to this. This is an older recording, so I'm listening to it for the first time in a while too. So, uh, yeah, I hope you all bear with us. But before we get into the news and notes, which, like I said, there is a lot of, uh, I do want to thank the sponsors of the podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by Mahler Bros Golf. We all want to look good on the golf course, but it often comes at the expense of feeling good. Mahler Bros Golf has polos that look good and feel good. With their lightweight and stretchy material that hugs your body, you will feel cool while looking just as cool. Their polos are guaranteed to make you look better, but it's up to you to golf better. On a hot summer day on the golf course, there's no polo that you would rather wear than Muller Bros Golf Signature Polos. Muller Bros Golf has a large catalog of polos with designs for those who want a loud design and others for those who want a subtle and sleek-looking design. They also have fun t-shirts, hats, tumblers, and so much more to make your golfing experience better. Use code BELLYUP at MullerBros.com for 15% off. Muller Bros doesn't just have polos, by the way. They have really fun golf t-shirts that you can wear anywhere. Maybe like that barbecue that your family invited you to, or even that get-together with your friends. Maybe a night out on the town if you want to have fun while looking good and also impressing the local ladies. Make sure to let them know where you got that shirt and wear it proudly. Don't wait to try out your new favorite golf apparel. Upgrade your golf attire with Mahler Bros. Get 15% off at MahlerBros.com with code BELLYUP. That's 15% off at M-A-H-L-E-R-Bros.com with code BELLYUP. Turn heads on the golf course or wherever you wear Mahler Bros polos. Mahler Bros Golf. Look good. Feel good. Feel good. Play good. And again, thank you to Mahler Bros Golf. And now we're going to get into our first break. On the other end of this, we're diving into the news and notes from November of 1995. Follow the main event marks at facebook.com forward slash main event marks pod on Twitter at main event underscore marks and on Instagram at main event underscore marks and at main event collector. By God, somebody's interrupting the main event marks. Sit down, JR. It's just me. Kyle Sullivan, a.k.a. Shaggy Von Doom, your host of Here in Puckburg on the Hockey Podcast Network. I know, a hockey show on the main event marks. Who would have thought? This is an invasion angle. Somewhere between the Nexus and when WCW tried to invade WWE, you know, somewhere in there. But I'm over here just telling you that one half of your tag team champions over here, Greg... He told his story of his love for the game of hockey over on my show. And if you'd like to hear that story, all you have to do is search here in Puckburg, wherever you get your podcast, or on YouTube. In the meantime, Shagamania's got to go run wild on some other hockey show. So, just remember, quote the Raven, nevermore. Take your vitamins, say your prayers, and oh yeah! Get ready to rumble! 
in your new Main Event Marks merchandise. We've got t-shirts, hoodies, masks, hats, stickers, pins, and much more on our Redbubble store. That's maineventmarks.redbubble.com. You can also pick up some awesome clothing items with the latest updated show graphics on our Bonfire store. That's bonfire.com slash store slash main event marks. Support your favorite retro wrestling podcast and pick up some cool swag on our Bonfire and Redbubble stores. That's maineventmarks.redbubble.com and bonfire.com slash store slash main event marks. Event marks are available wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube. Find all of our links on our link tree at linktr.ee forward slash main event marks. <laughs> and we're back. Do you like your coffee like you like your podcasts? Gimmick and politics free? Well, so do we here at the main event marks, and so do the guys and gals at Coffee Brand Coffee, where they ditch the gimmicks. You see, when you buy your coffee from other roasters, chances are that they've been sitting on the shelf for heaven knows how long. Don't rob yourself of freshness. At Coffee Brand Coffee, they roast to order, ensuring that you get the freshest coffee possible. And as Greg will tell you, that's what counts. Coffee Brand Coffee offers bagged coffee as well as K-cups. And for the non-coffee people, they offer a variety of teas and cocos. Just click on the link down to the podcast description or go to coffeebrandcoffee.com and use our promo code main event, all one word, at checkout to get 5% off your order. That's coffeebrandcoffee.com and use the promo code main event to save 5% at checkout. Son, you should know that my recommendation is essentially a guarantee. I do not have anything to crack um, per use, but uh, I am, however, drinking a delicious cup of coffee with cream, uh, and it is in a very large Cracker Barrel mug because I am white and I live in the Midwest. So there you go. And my wife enjoys Cracker Barrel. So, you know, whatever. We ended up uh, getting a pretty good size uh, mug. Good quality, too, I will say. Uh, but, yeah, so if uh, if you're ever in an area with a Cracker Barrel, definitely check them out. They make great uh, home cooking style meals and uh, their their merch that you can get in their gift gift uh, shop that you walk through. It's good stuff. Uh, they do not sponsor the podcast, like uh, Coffee Brand Coffee, by the way. But uh, yeah, go check out Coffee Brand Coffee, uh, as I just mentioned. Uh, also, to honor Greg, he likes to talk about the top movies and songs of the time of the show that we're covering. So right now, I'm going to do that. November 19th, 1995 is when this uh, pay-per-view took place. Number one movie at the box office was Apollo 13. That is a Tom Hanks movie I have not seen. But Tom Hanks had a huge year because that, Apollo 13, is about to be unseated by Toy Story on November 22nd. Toy Story, which, by the way, I just watched a couple of days ago. Uh, My wife had a a weird hankering to watch Toy Story, so we did. Uh, all the Toy Stories, actually. So, Toy Story, yeah. So, Tom Hanks unseated himself at the global box office. That's nuts. Well, the number one song uh, for this time was Exhale Shoop Shoop by Whitney Houston. Uh, again, I, this is another Whitney song I had not heard. Not a humongous Whitney Houston fan. I do like some of her work, but I wouldn't consider myself like a Whitney Houston fan, whatever, I like a couple of her songs, but either way, uh, that does it for that, it is time to dive into the news and notes, everybody, that is correct, 
Shut the fuck up, Dave. Everything that guy just says bullshit. And that is correct. First story here. We're going to start with uh, a lot of WCW stuff and then go into WWF, work our way into other things. You know, that's kind of the path we're going to take today. The top story here, it's becoming more apparent that both WWF and WCW are engaging in directionless hotshot booking on Monday nights in an attempt to one-up the opposition. This, by the way, all from Uncle Dave and the Wrestling Observer, so you know how it goes. WCW's decision to strip Hulk Hogan of the title after the finish of Halloween Havoc was a last-minute change of plans, and they aren't sure who will win the World War III Battle Royal. Short-term, the best bet would be the Giant, the Giant, because he's hot right now, but that would mean he inevitably loses to Hogan. Uncle Dave thinks jobbing him out so early in his career could kill his momentum. Shut the f*** up, Dave! The best bet is either Randy Savage... That is correct. Or Sting! Or possibly Lex Luger. But WCW hasn't decided. God. Uh, it could be this guy. Or, you know, this guy. Or maybe this guy. But, you know, it might be that guy. He just named off <laughs> four people. One of them was correct. You know, so... That is correct. But good God, man. Like, you're bound to get one. When, when you when you chuck up five shots, one of them's probably going to get sunk. Freaking dumb. But the latest word on Randy Savage's arm injury is that he has decided against getting surgery to repair the tricep tear for now, and he will be in the World War III Battle Royal. Hulk Hogan has scheduled, or excuse me, was scheduled to take a few months off, but those plans have changed now too, so he'll be in the Battle Royal also. Say the line, Bart! Plans changed. Yay! Good lord. Like, and there's more of this coming up, by the way. So, this is the second story of, uh, plans changed at the last minute. And, uh, you know, I, I know about it now, but I didn't know about it then. But, you know, plans changed. Shut the fuck up, Dave! Here's another one. Uh, going into the WWF side of things here. It's a little light in the news for WCW this week, but... Uh, hey, I mean, we are covering a WWF show, so here you go. Sid was scheduled to win the Intercontinental title from Razor Ramon this week, but WWF changed plans a couple of days before he made the previously advertised title match a non-title match. Say the line, Bart! Plans changed. Yay! The new plan is for Hunter Hearst Helmsley to eventually win the belt, Sid was reportedly upset about being promised the title, only to have plans change. Many in the locker room see it as The Click, Shawn Michaels, Razor Ramon, Diesel, Hunter Hearst Helmsley, and 123Kid controlling things, and say that different rules apply to them. Uncle Dave says that the leader of The Click, Diesel, is scheduled to lose the WWF title to Bret Hart this weekend at Survivor Series, so Uncle Dave doesn't quite believe that they have that much control over things. By the way, this is the first ever Wrestling Observer mention of the click. Oh man, a uh, lot to unpack there. So, I don't know if plans changed or if, I mean, Uncle Dave is generally full of crap, but wow. Second of all, Diesel is the leader of the click. I, I don't think they had a leader unless he's like, well, he's got the big belt, therefore he's the leader. I guess it's kind of vapid and a dumb take, but whatever. 
uh, yeah, it was just a, a group of friends, whatever. And yeah, the I, I'm not understating the clicks' influence. They said themselves, but then again, Kevin Nash and others could be uh, overstating their influence. I, I really don't know. I wasn't there. I wasn't even there. But <laughs> this other thing, well, Diesel is scheduled to lose the WWF title to Bret Hart this weekend at Survivor Series. Way to go, Dave. Like, what? Who are the people that read this crap? I don't actually want to watch and be surprised and enjoy things. No, 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 no. I want Uncle Dave to tell me who's going to win and who's going to lose. That's a fun way to watch wrestling. For God's sakes, man. This is insane. I, I, I just, I can't imagine watching wrestling like that. Well, Uncle Dave told me who's going to win, so, you know, whatever. But keeping up with the click... Hunter Hearst Helmsley and Henry Godwin have been having slop matches at recent house shows, with Helmsley winning, but Godwin pouring the slop on him afterwards. Yeah, uh, next month, I think, yeah, next month, they are going to have a hog pen match. Right. So that's cool. Uh, it, it's not, it sucks, but either way, yeah, it, it, if anybody wants wants to look that up, if you don't have Peacock and you can't just watch in your house... Uh, the, I think it's the Great White North, I think it's what it's called, or something like that. Yeah, um, you can, like, look up Henry Godwin, Hunter Hearst Helmsley, Hogpen Match. I'm sure you'll find clips and pics and whatever else. It's not good. Uh, not good. Believe me, not good. But Aldo Mantoya has been told that they are going to take his jockstrap mask off and change his hair and give him a new gimmick. Incorrect. I have never heard someone say so many wrong things, one after the other, consecutively, in a row. I mean, WWF is not going to. ECW is going to. For people that don't know, Alderman Toya is just incredible. Or would go on to be just incredible in ECW. So, Diesel was on a radio show answering fan questions who called in. He was asked about Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair, and said he would never wrestle anyone as old as them, and said that they are washed up. He also talked about backstage politics running WCW. Oh, the irony. Dang, man. <laughs> that one's... Uh, uh, yeah, you would only wrestle Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair a lot. And, um, hmm. You kind of dove headfirst into them backstage politics, buddy. Uh, keeping up with him, though, Diesel was on Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous this week. There's a blast from the past. Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. Uh, if nobody knows what it is, Google it. Yes, it's old, but uh, yeah, it was it was a big deal back in the day. Yeah, people wanted to see how the other half lived. But episodes of the TV show Lonesome Dove, featuring Bret Hart, should be uh, should start airing next week. I don't know the timeline of that show, but I do know Bret Hart was on Lonesome Dove, and he actually took a took some time off for a while from WWF because he thought he was going to be this big TV star, a big movie star, and Lonesome Dove was going to shoot him off into superstardom. Eh, yeah, not quite. Bam Bam Bigelow, Bob Holly, Jean-Pierre Lafitte, and Kama have all been complaining about not getting enough bookings lately. Bam Bam is almost certainly headed to New Japan, and may work WWF shows on the side, as for the other three, none of them were given notice about quitting yet, but they're not happy. Uh, I don't think any of them go anywhere. Jean-Pierre Lafitte, I believe, would eventually get fired. Uh, I could be wrong about that, but I'm pretty sure he ends up getting crap canned. Uh, he, he was, uh, pretty obstinate. I don't know how he is now, I haven't heard any complaints about him in, uh, in years and years, but maybe it was, uh, 
uh, Jacques Rougeau in his ear that was uh, making him an a-hole. Maybe Jacques was kind of amping him up because Jacques was kind of a D-bag, but I don't know. Uh, he had a big ego on him, and uh, Greg and I have covered it on this show multiple times about how when Diesel was the world heavyweight champion, Jean-Pierre Lafitte was actually pretty prime. I mean, he wasn't like a top guy, but he was prominently featured where he was. He had matches against uh, some top guys. He had a, had a feud with uh, Bret Hart over a freaking jacket, but still, uh, that was this year. He took on uh, Diesel in Quebec, and he told Diesel he wasn't going to job to him in the middle of the ring. And, uh, yeah, he was like, oh, I'm not, I, he said, uh, all the crowd's going to be 90-10 for me. And Diesel's like, no, you take my finish and you get pinned. And he's like, maybe we do a uh, double count out. And he's like, and, and it was this big fight. And they get out there. Diesel's got him down in a headlock on the mat at one point, And he leans in. He's like, sounds about 70-30 me. You still want to go with that double count out? But, yeah, so... Jean, for people that don't know, Jean-Pierre Lafitte is PCO, Pierre-Carl Houlet, uh in today's terms. So, yeah, and uh, he's in Impact, TNA, whatever the hell you want to call it. Ahmed Johnson debuted on TV doing a, uh, doing a version of the Liger Bomb as a finisher, which Vince McMahon simply called a power bomb. <sighs> it's not a Liger Bomb, Dave. For somebody who's so obsessed with Japanese wrestling, he did a Tiger Bomb or Tiger Driver, whatever the hell you want to call it. But it was a sit-out Tiger Bomb, and it was the Pearl River Plunge. I mean, I don't know, maybe he did do Liger Bomb once, which is basically just a running sit-out Power Bomb, but I'd never seen him do that. The Pearl River Plunge was a Tiger Bomb, or a sit-out Tiger Bomb. A week away from Survivor Series, only 8,000 tickets have been sold, which is less than half of the arena capacity. Uncle Dave predicts that they'll still claim that it's a sellout when the pay-per-view airs. A couple of things... They, and I'll talk about the uh, attendance when we actually hit the show review, which is coming up in the next segment, but uh, they they sold 14,500 tickets. I say sold, I, I don't know how many of them were comps, whatever, That that's the attendance, 14,500, so there you go. Uh, the total capacity for, at the time, it was a U.S. Air Arena, it is now the Capital Center, uh, the total capacity is, uh, for basketball, is... Uh, about 18,756 for ice hockey's 18,130. So there was like 4,000 empty seats, not even. Uh, I mean, also depending on how they set up the arena for the show. So, I, I mean, Dave is worrying about literally nothing. They'll be okay. Uh, but like I said, 1995 was bad all the way around for everybody. So, you know, it is what it is. But let's get into this. It's This Week in ECW. This week in ECW. All right. So a confidential hearing was held by the Pennsylvania State Athletic Commission regarding the fire incident at last month's ECW show. I'll talk about that here in a second. Officially, lawyers and the attorney general are reviewing the case to decide what, if any, punishment is appropriate. But from sources Uncle Dave has spoken with... Paul Heyman was told in no uncertain terms that if anything like that ever happens again, they will shut down ECW. I will shut that shit down. No exceptions. So it looks like they're going to probably escape with a slap on the wrist and a don't let that happen again. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, so the fire incident, and uh, I'll give more details on it uh, later, but this is kind of a TLDR. Uh, so Terry Funk came out and was having a match with Cactus Jack. I don't know who did what, uh, but 
Terry had his branding iron, and at some point during the match, a rag got wrapped around it and lit on fire, and it was going to be a big part of the match. I think this is when the lights went out, and uh, I think Terry got burned. The <laughs> The rag wasn't wrapped tightly, so uh, it was somebody, I think it was Terry, started swinging it around like a madman. It went flying into the crowd. People got burned, and uh, with the lights being out and a fire, other people got trampled and whatever. So yeah, it was a it was it was a thing. It was a thing. Uh, it yeah. Uh, Mick Foley wrote about it in his his first book. I uh, have a nice day. So yeah, uh, that's the first time I actually ever heard of it, and then I saw it later on on I think YouTube or something like that. So maybe the ECW documentary. But um, this is when Paul Heyman would typically put put in a call to his Jewish father lawyer, sir. But there's a good chance that several of ECW's quote top stars, being awfully loose with that, are leaving soon. Public Enemy recently met with WWF, but WCW has offered them a six-month contract. They're currently leaning towards WCW because it's less time on the road for more money, and there's more teams to work with. That is correct. Yeah, that's where they go. Uh, WWF does a better job of getting new stars over, though. Uh, WCW wants to rename the team The Mac Daddies, <laughs> but keep the same gimmick. That does not happen. WWF wants to rename the team Assault and Battery. <laughs> Man, that fits. Uh, especially with uh, what actually happened to them during their WWF run years later, but uh, I digress. So ECW will also uh, almost certainly be losing Woman, who's headed to WCW soon with her husband, Kevin Sullivan, uh, who is the booker. That is correct. She may be replacing Sherry Martell as Harlem Heat's manager, since Sherry may be getting phased out of the company soon. I think that happens? I seem to recall that happening. I could be wrong. I, I don't remember. I know she's there for a bit. Uh, maybe she's not with Harlem Heat. I know she's involved in that thing with Chris Benoit, obviously. But WCW is also interested in Conan, who has dabbled in ECW and is, of course, a top star in AAA. Yeah, he goes. So, uh... That is correct. Cactus Jack also had a meeting, speaking of him, had a meeting with WWF last week. In the past, they never would have been interested in someone who looks like him, but times change. Yeah, ain't that the truth. Paul Heyman has told WWF that he wants to keep Cactus until around April or so to finish out his current storyline. The WWF is in no hurry to take him. WWF has taken a friendly approach with ECW and is looking at it as a place where they can send their guys to work since WWF isn't running as many house shows. Cactus is good friends with Dean Douglas, and it's well known that Douglas is currently unhappy with his position in WWF, so that may play a role in his decision. It does not. I, I don't think anybody ever has taken Shane Douglas's advice or really cared that much about him, I, even if they're friends with him. And this isn't me crapping on Shane Douglas or anything, because I'm uh, unapologetically a big fan of his, which, by, by the way, since Greg is not here to say it, hey, f*** the Steelers. But anyway, uh, he, he'll get a kick out of that. But either way, nobody's ever taken Shane Douglas's word on it. Like, man, can you imagine if Mick Foley was like, well, Shane didn't like it there, and Shane didn't get over there, so maybe I shouldn't go either. <sighs> God, he had an historic career that we still know and love today in ECW. So good for uh, Mick Foley for, you know, doing that. 
And then years later, when the radicals all jumped to WWF, they were like, hey, Shane, we're all going to go on uh, such and such day. And then they left his ass behind. <laughs> Poor Shane, man. <laughs> Just, God. I don't, I mean, I guess the click hated him. And the, uh, from what I heard, the uh, Undertaker's Bone Street crew, whatever, wasn't exactly a big fan of his. He had no allies. None in WWF. So I don't know if that was it. He was also very injury prone. Like uh, Greg and I have pointed out, seemed like every show in ECW and WCW, he had some kind of major injury or a laundry list of injuries. So I, I really don't know. Uh, but, you know, all in all, man, poor Shane. <laughs> uh, but n nobody takes that guy seriously. It's, uh, it's kind of sad. Either way, uh, it, we did talk, Greg and I, that is, uh, pronouns, pal, god dang it. Uh, Greg and I talked more about this. If you all go back and listen to our ECW in 1995 bonus episodes from close to this time last year, actually, it was last December, we dropped Dose bonus podcasts in one month for the first time ever, uh, and it, that was just because the show ran so damn long. But we covered all the news in its entirety throughout ECW in 1995, just because it's the worst company in the worst year, so we thought, fun, let's torture ourselves. <laughs> it actually was fun, uh, but you can hear more about this if you uh, get to the November section of uh, of, of that month. Uh, but we, we go into more detail, and Greg gives uh, his, his opinions on all of it. But yeah, now in the archives, ECW in 1995, parts one and dose. Go check it out. Either way, speaking of uh, jumping somewhere, let's go to Japan. <laughs> All right, so WCW and New Japan Pro Wrestling held a joint show in Tokyo last week, and it flopped. The show drew 7,500 fans to Sumo Hall, which is the smallest crowd New Japan has drawn there in over 15 years. That's a, that's a distinct honor you got there, WCW. Uh, not a good one, but a distinct one. So, hey, uh, Kensuke Sasaki won the U.S. title from Sting... The match is scheduled to air on Nitro this week to build heat for the WCW New Japan Starcade show. <laughs> Boy, what a effing frickin' doozy that was. Maybe we'll cover that next month. Uh, God help you. Yeah, the show sucked, if you guys haven't picked up on that. It was awful. Hogan was not there. So, you know, supposedly their biggest show of the year was built around a, a tournament, bro. It was all WCW versus New Japan matches. Sting wins a damn cup at the end. I know, spoilers, but ugh. But Sasaki is expected to drop the title back at Starcade. That is correct. Sherry Martell, who is already on shaky ground with WCW, somehow missed her flight and didn't take the trip to Japan, which didn't go over well with management. Yeah, uh, unfortunately, Sherry Martell is not long for WCW at this point. Uh, she hangs around for a... I think she hangs around for a bit longer, if I remember correctly. I could be wrong. Somebody correct me down in the comments or, you know, slip into my DMs and don't be like, Well, actually... Like, whatever. Just be nice about it. Don't be a dick. But the giant made his debut on the show and got over big with the Japanese fans, no pun intended, uh, and was impressive. Everyone said that, with a little more experience, he could easily be a top foreigner in New Japan. <laughs> yeah, he's not going back. I, I, I don't know if he ever goes back to Japan. But yeah, he probably could have made a ton of money over there. I, I think Andre did. But Rey Mysterio Jr. and Psychosis 
are expected to be in the Super J Cup tournament in New Japan Pro Wrestling next month. Maybe. I don't know. I know they were in... They made their rounds in 95 and 96, man. They were in ECW, New Japan, Mexico, EC... Uh, did I say ECW? WCW. They were all over within like a two-year span. It was nuts. And they were, they were great, man. I've always been a low-key psychosis fan. I have a Jax figure of him, by the way. Unfortunately, he's one of the Mexicools, but, you know, whatever. All Japan women's wrestlers are scheduled to work both WWF and WCW shows, and WWF is doing a much better job promoting them. On WWF shows, they've been showing video of the women and talking about their finishing moves and promoting them as great wrestlers. By comparison, in WCW... Uh, I hate reading this. Uh, Gene Okerlund mentioned the names of the women coming in, and then said that they, quote, sound like something from the menu at a sushi bar. What the f***? Oh, God. I love Gene Okerlund, but, oh, God. How did that slip? How? I know we were a lot more lax with, oh, it's just a joke, in 95, whatever, and people were a lot less sensitive. But, dude, that was offensive back then. Yikes. Uh, getting back to America. In USWA, they're still doing a USWA versus Smoky Mountain Wrestling feud. I'm sure that was setting the woods on fire. And they had a match where the winner wins control of the promotion. Jeff Jarrett returned to the USWA and cut arguably the best promo of his career. And, well, hold on to your ass, you know, for uh, later on. And he beat Jesse James Armstrong. Hell of a name. So, as the storyline goes, USWA now owns Smoky Mountain Wrestling. Oh, man. Oh, cool. You own some letters and a handshake. Good for you, guys. But it's interesting, of course, because Armstrong is better known as The Roadie, and he and Jarrett walked out of the WWF earlier this year because they didn't want to break up their duo. Oh, is that why? I, I, I'm, I like, a little fuzzy on the story. I knew it happened. Uh, I didn't know why. I seriously thought maybe they broke up because of... um. Uh, or not broke up. I thought they walked out because Jarrett was pissy about dropping the IC title to Michaels. I, I don't know. But apparently they didn't want to be broken up. Dude, that was the whole story. They were going to break up. And I, I don't know. I, I have a feeling that Jarrett was driving this because <laughs> uh, Roadie, Road Dog, whatever you want to call him. Like, he basically did a U-turn. They left, and he's like, yeah, Jeff, I'll be right back. And then he went back to Vince. He's like, can I please have my job back? I'm so sorry. And he was back in in no time. Jarrett, however, went to WCW and, uh, yeah, did his typical thing there. But either way, Jarrett is still under contract with the WWF, but they're allowing him to work USWA shows, and it's likely that Jarrett will be returning to WWF soon. <laughs> Incorrect. He would not be back until 97, maybe, I think, 97, 98, something like that. Uh, but like I said, yeah, he's in he's in WCW for a while doing that. Uh, can I join the Horseman? Whole gimmick with him and Mongo, and yeah. Here's a, an interesting one. Former President Jimmy Carter was on Jesse Ventura's radio show, because of course, and re uh, real recently, and he talked about wrestling. Carter talked about how he and his mom used to go to wrestling shows every week because he, or before he was the governor of Georgia. They also discussed the famous picture of Jimmy Carter putting Mr. Wrestling 2 in a headlock. Yeah, Mr. Wrestling 2 was big time, uh, especially in the Georgia area. And I had heard Jimmy Carter was a big wrestling fan. I bet he said, I bet he pronounced it like that too. I would be willing to bet a substantial amount of money he called it wrestling. I, I'm not even joking. Last thing I got here, I saved this for last. So, Jim Cornette wrote another classic Cornette letter into the letter section of The Observer, trashing everyone else and complaining about things. Let's go over it. Oh, I've not proofread this, so 
uh, we'll just let it fly, man. He said, here we go. And I'm not going to do the cornet voice this whole time because you guys couldn't be able to stand it and neither could my vocal cords. But he said, I don't get the torch anymore since, drat my luck, my parakeet died a few weeks ago and there's no longer the need for it around the house. But I want th to request that all newsletter readers to keep me posted on the latest ECW story. Oh, man. Uh, so, for those of you that didn't get the subtlety of that joke, he stuffs his birdcage with it so his bird can poop on it. The, uh, the pro wrestling torch. Yeah. Anyway. When SMW's famous Wise Virginia incident happened, it was a m major story for months, uh, necessitating calls to everyone but the governor of Virginia. I was greeted with chants of Wise Virginia from fans at WWF shows 1,000 miles away. I received dozens of phone calls from people in and around wrestling about our major riot. For you stat statisticians, our major riot consisted... Oh, here, he's going to talk about it. Uh, our major riot consisted of uh, one out-of-line security guard being called a N-word. So, <sighs> editor's note, Cornette neglects to mention that he's the one who called the security guard the N-word. So, yeah, uh, by the way, there, there's a recording of him talking about this. Uh, and later, uh, punched by Jimmy Del Rey. Cool. Uh, several of his friends tried to start trouble. One of them pulled a knife. The Bruise Brothers, you know, the uh, the Nazi twins. The If you don't believe me, look it up. We've talked about it on the show a few times. Uh, one of the... They're the Harris Brothers. One of them literally wore an SS shirt on a TNA event. I'm not joking. And it wasn't a gimmick. Uh, but and if it was a gimmick, it's a bad one. But anyway, the Bruce brothers swung a few chairs. A lot of people cussed each other. The police were called hell. It was the most excitement they've seen since Prohibition in that town. <sighs> and then everyone got in their car and went home. One fan said he got hit, but never showed in court to press charges. ECW Arena, October 28th, scorecard. Tommy Dreamer got a broken nose and burned. Terry Funk was set ablaze and received second-degree burns and was taken to the hospital. The ring, wet with kerosene from a previous match, set on fire. A fan, a fan for God's sake, was set on fire. I like how he says for God's sake, but he doesn't believe in God, so it's a little funny. Anyway, people were spraying fire extinguishers, the lights were turned out, a lot of chairs were thrown, fans were coughing and choking from fire extinguisher fumes, fans were cut and bruised from flying chairs that were thrown by other fans, Quote, uh, at most only one or two, end quote, fans were hospitalized, cars were vandalized, one car was stolen, people left panicked and furious, and there was a mock crucifixion at the end of the show. Oh my god, is that the same show? Uh, last thing, uh, the last thing alone would have been enough to have gotten everyone responsible for the show thrown in jail in the state of Tennessee. I, I like how the stereotypical southern boy is, uh, mocking southern states for, you know, stuff. But anyway, has anyone figured out yet that as much of the blame for the wrestling business being in the worst condition it has been in history goes to the ridiculous horseshit that Paul E. Dangerously is foisting off on the public as much as the ludicrous garbage presented by the gang of surgeons at WCW? Ugh, man, I don't, I don't even know what to say about that. But do you know how frustrating it is to try and present a solid wrestling product when the task is made hopeless by people being able to tune in to murders of nasty giants and a bunch of insane stuntmen at the same time? Okay. Uh, I, I, I just love how Cornette is like, 
Uh, I'm trying to present a, a solid wrestling product over in Smoky Mountain Wrestling. Shut the hell up. Like, good God. Smoky Mountain effing wrestling. Nobody gave a damn. Uh, but either way, he says, and now for the $46,000 question, will this story be given coverage in proper ratio to Wise Virginia, or is it a case of first-time offender getting 20 years because the jury didn't like him, or a man going free for two murders because of his bank book and his skin color? Whoops, there I go again. You mean being racist? I mean, yeah. And then he signs it, Jim Cornette, Smoky Mountain Wrestling, Morristown, Tennessee. Yikes. I, I don't really know what to say about that. Corny, you're a racist. Corny, you dropped the N-word and started a riot. I, I, I don't know how much of it was his fault, but he was at least a little bit to blame. I will never defend Gigolo Jimmy Del Rey in anything. We've talked before about how... Allegedly! He's a horrible human being. Uh, so are the Bruce Brothers. I like how that's the company that Jim Cornette keeps, by the way. A couple of Nazis and Gigolo Jimmy Del Rey, who's had his share of incidents, we'll say. But yeah, uh, cult of Cornette members. Go ahead and defend him all you want. I don't give a crap. Screw Cornette. Screw Gigolo Jimmy. Screw the Bru the uh, the Harris Brothers. Screw them all. But either way, uh, that does it for that. And 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 yeah, the ECW incident has been covered r just ad nauseum forever. It's not been forgotten, and yeah, they kind of got a slap on the wrist legally, but, you know, I, I don't know how, like, how payoffs worked. Like, I don't know if they paid out anybody to shut the F up or whatever, but I don't know. Don't care. But that does it for the news and notes. Let's get into the event at hand, shall we? On the other end of this break, it's Greg and I. We're going to be talking about Survivor Series 1995. Follow the main event marks at facebook.com forward slash main event marks pod on Twitter at main event underscore marks and on Instagram at main event underscore marks and at main event collector. What's up, everybody? I am the hardest part of the ring, the host of the Apron Bump podcast. Ugh, another wrestling podcast. How many times can I listen to fans tell me who needs a push, who doesn't need a push, who brings Vince's coffee these days? Enough! The Apron Bump is about the journey. It's about nostalgia. It's about discovering new forms of wrestling to really tickle your pickle as a wrestling fan. The podcast brings you reviews of wrestling events all over the world, whether it's WWF, WWE, WCW, ECW. We even cover the golden eras of Ring of Honor, Progress, TNA, and more promotions in the future as well. New episodes every Wednesday. Bump day. Uh-huh. Yeah. Go to apronbump.com or go to your favorite podcast platform or YouTube and subscribe today for the most diverse, fan-friendly wrestling podcast in the world. I'm hard. event marks are available wherever you get podcasts and on youtube find all of our links on our link tree at linktr.ee forward slash main event marks and we're back the event wwf survivor series 1995 the uh tagline for this is teams of federation superstars battle it out who's fit to survive answer none of them anyway uh i'm just kidding uh, it was from November 19th, 1995, from the U.S. Air Arena in Landover, Maryland. They, uh, the attendance was 14,500, so not a bad gate. The show starts off with The Fink introducing Mr. Perfect. 
The commentary team is going to be him, Vince McMahon, and Jim Ross. By God, did we have some uh, interesting commentary from Mr. Perfect that we'll get into later. The first match was uh, something. It was the underdogs. Uh, Marty Chinetti, Bob Holly, uh, <laughs> Barry Horowitz, and Hakushi, who is now officially a jobber. They are going up against it like the worst team in history. <laughs> yep. Oh, wait, wait for this one. They are going up against the Body Donnas with Sonny and Ted DiBiase in their corner. They are Skip, Doctor Tom Pritchard, who is formerly Zip of the Body Donnas, Rad Radford, whoever the hell that is, and the One Two Three Kid, who is the newest member of the uh, Million Dollar Corporation. My God. Uh, the because, you know, he fits on that team and not the other team. Well, of course, yeah. Razor Ramon comes out and has to be held back by referees, and the kid has to be held back by his partners. Apparently, they're they're feuding now, as we saw at the, at the Inner House 4. They show a clip of the he kid. On right, right, right. Yeah, they showed a clip of the kid as a special guest referee on Raw, helping Sid beat Razor and joining the corporation. Uh, Bob Holly pins, uh, Bruce, Pr- or Tom Pritchard, not Bruce, uh, with a flying crossbody off the top, and then Skip, uh, rolls up Holly with a, uh, schoolboy to pin him. One, two, three, kid hits a super kick to the back of Hakushi's head, allowing Rad Radford to pin him. Horowitz gets a lucky small package on Radford for the pin, and then one, two, three, kid makes a blind tag to Skip. Knees Horowitz in the back, hits a leg drop, pins him. They keep cutting away, by the way, to show Razor getting more and more pissed in the back with other baby faces. Janetti powerbombs Skip off the top rope, pins him. Then Janetti gets in control of the kid, and Sid randomly comes out. Behind the referee's back, Sid hot shots Janetti off the top rope, and that allows the kid to pin him for the win. The kid then celebrates with Sid and DiBiase. My final notes, I said... Kind of lame. One and three-fourths Uncle Dave's. Very lame. Yep. We go to the back where Razor is throwing monitors and flipping tables. Fatu, Henry Godwin, and Savio Vega are all trying to calm them down. What a motley crew that was. We now go to Todd Pettengill, who is backstage with Jim Cornette, Mr. Fuji, Dean Douglas, Owen Hart, and Yokozuna. Cornette calls Razor crazy. Owen Hart says that he's ready for a fight, and Douglas tells Razor to get his head on straight. By the way, they're all teaming up later in the night. We'll get to that. Next up, this one was... Yeesh. It was Aja Kong, Bertha Fay, Lioness Asuka, and Tomoka uh, Watanabe. Whatever. They had Harvey Whippleman in their corner, so they're the best. Uh, they, they went up... A- Hell yeah! They went up against uh, Alundra Blaze, Chaparita Asari, Kayoko Enoi, whatever, and Saki Hasegawa. God, I, it was hard to get through that. Uh, Alundra pins Asu- Lioness Asuka. Mr. Perfect keeps making very sexist remarks throughout the match about they should all be home taking care of their husbands. It was kind of uncomfortable to hear. Basically, Aja Kong dominates most of this match. Um, I'm not going to go through all the pins here, but Bertha proves that she's absolutely trash in the ring. 
I don't know why she was under contract. And the women's champion, by the way. She was beefy. I guess. Oh, she was literally beef in WCW. Alundra Blaze pins Bertha Faye after Bertha and Kong run into each other, and Alundra hits a bridging super or a bridging German suplex. Bertha no sells it and instantly slides out of the ring and just walks away like she's perfectly fine, even though she just got pinned. Finally, Aja Kong pins Alundra Blaze off of a spinning back fist. Kong's music was very racist, starting with a gong. <laughs> I laughed. Notes. Sucked! One Uncle Dave. This. I said zero. It's terrible. It blew really hard. Next, this effing segment. Todd Pittengill is in the, is in the crowd interviewing Mr. President, who is a Bill Clinton impersonator. Uh, wow. Uh, Todd asks what he thinks about Bam Bam Bigelow, and Mr. President thinks that he's referring to the Flintstones. Todd says, people say your administration's out of touch. I don't know why. And then Bam Bam's, <laughs> Bam Bam's pyro explodes, and the, quote, Secret Service dives on to Mr. President. This was stupid. And this wasn't the end of it, either. <laughs> I know. That was the worst part. Next, we got Bam Bam Bigelow versus Goldust. Goldust's entrance takes like 20 freaking minutes. It goes on so long that the theme restarts. Uh, when he finally takes his wig off, gold flakes rain from the ceiling. Goldust has it, finally has normal boots, I noticed. And he's getting really into the weirdo character, rubbing himself and other things like he's high on ecstasy. Goldust dominates most of the match and wins off of a running bulldog. Notes, I said, decent but boring. Two and one-fourth Uncle Dave's. And here we go. Todd's back with Mr. President in the crowd. And he's with Bob Backlund this time. Uh, Mr. President asks Backlund if he's going to join the race for president in 96. Backlund tells him to address him as Mr. Backlund and says his question is irrelevant. Then he stumbles over his next few lines. And while he talks about the government shutdown, uh, Mr. President compliments, quote, Bob, keeps calling him, and repeatedly, before we go back to the ring, this was painful. Right. And no, we're not done. <laughs> so get ready. Uh, next is the Royals. Deny, deny, deny. <laughs> God, I did not inhale. Uh, what is the definition of is? <laughs> Anyway, uh, the next is the Royals, which is Hunter Hearst Helmsley, Isaac Yankum DDS. Yes, he's still there. Uh, Jerry Lawler and King yes. Mabel. They have Sir Moe in their corner. They're taking on the Dark Side, which is Fatu, Henry O. Godwin, Savio Vega, and The Undertaker. They got Paul Bearer in their corner. Uh, the Dark Side. Which of these three do not belong? Yeah, all of them, except for The Undertaker. <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, since The Undertaker's face was smashed, he's now wearing a mask. Jim Ross says that Henry Godwin is Mr. President's favorite wrestler, because they're both from Arkansas. And Vince makes a whitewater joke. Wow. <laughs> this just keeps getting better. Uh, Undertaker comes in and instantly eliminates Jerry Lawler, and then Isaac Yankum with a tombstone. Hunter Hearst Helmsley tries to run away, but 
Godwin threatens to slap him, so he gets up on the apron and Toker, uh, Taker, Toker, God, uh, choke slams him from the you know what apron. You're thinking about? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Taker choke slams him from the apron into the ring, pins him. Mabel comes in, beats up the Undertaker for a while, but the Undertaker sits up and Mabel literally runs away. So the dark side wins. <laughs> what? Nothing. But he runs away, or, you know, as fast as he can runs. So the dark side surrounds Mo in the middle of the ring, and the Undertaker choke slams him. Notes, I said, halfway decent match, but it was just made to put over the Undertaker to Uncle Dave's. That's <sighs> Sir Mo, by the way. Yes, Sir Mo, excuse me. Sir C. Mo Green. Uh, Good <laughs> Todd Pettengill is in the back interviewing Jim Cornette, Teddy Biasi, Psycho Sid, and the British Bulldog. Cornette says that he's always had Davy Boy's back, and DiBiase said that no one better cross him. And Shawn Michaels comes in with Ahmed Johnson and says, Ladies, let's stop fighting. Because, yes, this is a team. What the fuck? Mm. <sighs> Next to main event, it is Dean Douglas, Owen Hart, Razor Ramon and Yokozuna with Mr. Fuji versus Ahmed Johnson, Shawn Michaels, Psycho Sid, and the British Bulldog with Jim Cornette and Ted DiBiase. When Douglas comes out, he does a cross between the click sign and the corner. I didn't know what the hell he was trying to do. Uh, the crowd blows for Razor. The Intercontinental title is back to having a black strap. I can't keep track of this damn thing. This is Ahmed Johnson's pay-per-view debut. The crowd gives him a pretty good pop. Mr. Perfect says that Johnson is as big as a house, and he says he's got the double garage to go with it. Oh, wait, that's his nose. What the fuck? <laughs> Yay, racism. So we get sexism and racism for Mr. Perfect. Cool. McMahon geeks out. Jack of all trades. Yep. Uh, McMahon geeks out for HBK like Michael Cole used to for The Miz. Mr. Perfect says, when the boy becomes a man, and Vince says, oh, he's all man. Right. This was really weird. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, he had a remark like that in the Gold Dust match, remember? <laughs> he's like, about 6'6", six, six, 260, he's a huge man. He goes, yeah, he's a big man, all right. <laughs> <laughs> My God. By the way, he repeatedly drives home that word androgynous. Yep. Like, who the hell uses that practically? Well, we learned from Bruce Pritchard. That's his favorite word. Yeah, and he said Dustin had to look it up when he got home. Uh, but anyway, Razor and Dean get into it. Razor punches Dean, allowing Michaels to do a schoolboy onto him and pin him. HBK accidentally hits sweet chin music on Sid, allowing Razor to get the pin. Then Sid gets in and power bombs Michaels. On his way out. Uh, jo Ahmed Johnson pins Owen Hart with a Pearl River Plunge. DiBiase comes back out with Sid and the 1-2-3 Kid. Kid trips Razor and gets on the apron. Razor socks him. Then Bulldog hits Razor with a Power Slam for the pin. Ahmed body slams Yokozuna. And then the British Bulldog breaks it up. Michaels and Johnson double-team Bulldog, knocking him outside. Michaels hits Sweet Chin music on Yoko. Johnson hits a running splash for the pin, and in midair, Johnson screams like a girl. It was weird. But they win. Uh, notes, I said, best match of the night thus far. Interesting stuff, but I'm not a fan of the whole feuding partners thing. Three and one-fourth Uncle Dave's. 
After the match, a dazed British Bulldog celebrates with Jim Cornette, and Shawn Michaels celebrates with Ahmed Johnson. Todd Pettengill is back to talking with Mr. President, who's got Sonny on his lap now. Sonny is feeding him popcorn, and Mr. President spills it accidentally down Sonny's dress, then asks if she's available for a cabinet position. What the fuck? Oh, my God. He says, stop by the White House and we'll check out some of those positions. And then Sonny says that she'd make the perfect undersecretary. Mmm. Uh, the, <laughs> the show pre-recorded comments of Bret Hart and Diesel uh, mixing in clips of their past matches. They're really putting over how they both beat the tar out of each other every time they're in the ring together. And uh, the big story is that Diesel wants to knock Bret out early using his power. Brett wants to absorb punishment and make the match go as long as possible, wearing Diesel out until he can out-wrestle him. Follow the main event marks at facebook.com forward slash main event marks pod on Twitter at main event underscore marks and on Instagram at main event underscore marks and at main event collector. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening and good night. My name is Thomas and what's your name? Uh, I'm Alan. Alan. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. We're brothers. That's right. Yeah. yeah the mother, same mother and father. Your room was... Oh, we shared a room. Shared a room. We right. shared a room. I thought I knew your face. Yeah, we go maybe. way back, mate. Yeah. yeah. We should do a podcast then. Uh, we have. We do, we do a podcast. We do a podcast. What's it called? The... Broadcast. Yeah, that was planned. Yeah, yeah, well... What do we do? Well, we cover all different things in the world of pop culture. We're talking about comic books, we're talking about professional wrestling, and we're talking about movies. Go back and watch classic retro wrestling events, the likes of WWE, WCW, and if you do like that, you can check us out on Apple iTunes, also on Podbean, Anchor, and on Podknife. Also, check us out on Twitter, at The Broadcast. That's B-R-O. Yeah, hey, 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 it's all right. Good on you. Yeah. Instagram also at the Broadcast Podcast. Remember, we don't spell it with a C. We spell it with a K. Sorry, mate. Take it easy. Main event marks are available wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube. Find all of our links on our link tree at linktr.ee forward slash main event marks. <laughs> and we're back. Uh, so it is Diesel defending the WWF title against Bret Hart in a no-holds-barred match. Uh, the best thing of note, right off the bat, uh, I said Bret locks in a figure four and Diesel's repeatedly shouting mother effer multiple times. <sighs> that, yeah. That was great. You couldn't hear it, but you could read his lips, just like when HBK <laughs> looked at the camera, looked right at hard cam and said, bullsh. <laughs> That was great. The click was super mature. It's, getting, it's attitude. Yep. Hopping to the end here. Um, Brett gets on the apron, and Diesel shoulders him. Brett goes flying through the, the Spanish announce table. I believe that's the first time ever one of the tables got broke in history. Yeah, they put it over huge, and it looked brutal. I'll say that. Diesel gets him into the ring, goes for a jackknife, but Brett just flops down like Dead fishes him. Diesel picks him up again, and Brett rolls him up for a small package for the win. Shocking. Uh, Diesel gets up and yet again visibly yells, Mother effer. <laughs> and then he drops. Attitude. That's attitude, pal. 
Then he drops Brett with a jackknife. Um, he then poses with the belt. The crowd boos him. He leaves, and the referees wake up. I, I think he beats up, yeah, he beats up a couple of referees as well, and he grabs a belt. Uh, they wake Brett up, check on him. Diesel's in full heel, heel mode here as he leaves. My final notes, I said, they stuck to the story very well in the ring and on the commentary. Uh, these two beat the crap out of each other. It was cool. Uh, cool to see Diesel turning heel. It was a shock ending, if you didn't know it was coming, uh, with the roll-up. I gave it three and a half Uncle Dave's. Pretty good match. I thought One of their better ones. Yeah, I was about to say that. I thought it was really good. So yeah, that was uh, Survivor Series 1995. I might say it was one of the better pay-per-views of the entire year. Yeah, it was. Good way to close out the year. Well, we're going to wrap things up now. After that, uh, on the other end of this break, I'm going to give uh, Uncle Dave's thoughts on this show, kind of go through some of his notes and uh, match ratings, and uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll wrap this puppy up. Follow the Main Event Marks at Facebook.com forward slash Main Event Marks Pod, on Twitter at Main Event underscore Marks, and on Instagram at Main Event underscore Marks, and at Main Event Collector. Hey gang, it's Commissioner Cooper of TSS Fantasy. We are the fantasy show of the people. Expert fantasy advice, free contests, leading expert medical and legal analysis, and most importantly, you. Interact with us on all social media platforms, or check us out at TSSFantasy.com. You can hear us on Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and many more. Check out the fun today and be a part of the most interactive fantasy show around. TSS Fantasy, the fantasy show of the people. Hello, everyone. My name is Ryan McCarthy, and I'm the host of the No Credentials Required podcast. Start your work week with the Monday Drop-In, where I talk about the sports beat in the Capital District, also known as the Mighty 518, as well as Metro New York sports from an upstate point of view. I also give a life lesson from a weekly sports story, so you might learn something from that. I also have a midweek podcast where I interview different sports personalities and talk about a wide array of topics. Take a listen and subscribe on your preferred podcast app, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Spreaker, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and iHeartRadio. Also, check out our social media channels on Twitter and Instagram, BellyUpNCR, and Facebook.com forward slash BellyUpSportsNCR. We're a part of the Belly Up Sports Podcast Network in association with Godzilla Media. No credentials required, where you don't need a press pass to talk sports. Event marks are available wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube. Find all of our links on our link tree at linktr.ee forward slash main event marks. And we're back. So let's uh, let's hit you with uh, with some ratings here. Before I get into Uncle Dave's ratings, uh, our typical uh, Internet Movie Database gave this six point five out of ten. Cagematch.net gave it seven point twenty seven out of ten. Uh, I'll give it a 6.5 out of 10, D minus, maybe a D. I'll give it a D, D plus, somewhere in that range. Either a D, D plus, either way it passes. Barely, but it passes. Uh, Was not great. Uh, Not good. Believe me, not good. But that's par for the course for 1995, so, you know, whatever. Either way, let's get into some of Uncle Dave's notes for this thing, because I know uh, Greg and I didn't do our typical during the show. Uh, He's not here to give his 
final grade. So uh, I honored him by giving it a grade there with the 6.5, but either way. Uh, getting into uh, the review from Uncle Dave, he said Survivor Series is in the books, and Bret Hart is the new WWF champion. Yeah, because he spoiled that. Only the second person, the other being Hulk Hogan, to win it three times. Kevin Nash, Diesel, whatever, yelled, Motherfuck! After the pin, and along with some of the recent bookings, Uncle Dave thinks that it shows WWF is moving to a somewhat more adult-oriented direction, like sort of a toned-down ECW. We wouldn't really see too much of that coming up. I mean, a little bit? But I don't know. I mean, I guess if you're going from 1995 cartoonish, sure, it moved up from, uh, it moved up from TVG to, uh, like, PG, I, I guess. That's about it. But Dave thinks that it's also a response to the success and popularity of UFC. Uh, I don't think UFC really effing mattered at this time, man. 1995? Who the hell cared about UFC besides a handful of people? Give me a break. But Mr. Perfect made a surprise return on the show as an announcer, but seemed unfamiliar with the storylines, and obviously hadn't been following along in the last year, and he also seemed to get on Jim Ross's nerves throughout the show. It was kind of gimmick, Dave. Good grief. Other notes from Survivor Series... Public Enemy worked a dark match, losing to the Smoking Guns, but word is that they're still leaning towards signing with WCW, and of course, Paul Heyman is trying to keep them in ECW. ECW! Well, they'd go to WCW, Paul Heyman would be pissed, and the rest is history. Bob Holly replaced Avatar, played by Al Snow, in the opening match because Holly was unhappy about not working enough shows and was threatening to leave, so they bumped Snow and put Holly on the show to appease him. Sounds like a lateral move to me. <laughs> Marty Janetti used the rocker dropper on 123Kid, and Mr. Perfect said the move could break someone's neck, which surely thrilled Vince McMahon since, you know, it has. God. The All Japan women flew 18 hours to work a rushed 10-minute match that was disappointing. Well, you know, can't win them all. Uh, Undertaker wore a scary-looking face mask due to his recent orbital bone surgery, and Diesel seemingly turned heel after losing the title. Yeah, but nobody booed him. I mean, some people did, but most people were like, Yeah, Diesel, he's cool. He's not the smiling babyface anymore. I mean, even as a babyface for the last bit there, he was uh, just effing around and people were liking him, but, you know. Uh, he wouldn't be long for this world either. He'd be going to hightailing it to WCW um, by the spring, so... Uh, at WrestleMania 13, I think, is his last show, well, his last, uh, TV appearance, I think? I don't know, uh, I, obviously he did the curtain call at Madison Square Garden, and yada yada, but either way, speaking of history. Uh, getting to the match ratings here, and boy, these are some doozies. Uh, the first match, Rad Radford and Skip and the 1-2-3 Kid and Tom Pritchard, the Doctor of Desire, I like how Tom Pritchard is on the team, but he's not Zip anymore, uh, but he's with Skip. But either way, they defeated Barry Horowitz, Bob Holly, Hakushi, and Marty Jannetty in 18 minutes, 45 seconds. It was a Survivor Series elimination match. Uncle Dave gave this three and three quarter stars. Okay. The next match is that uh, All Japan women's match that I mentioned. It's Aja Kong, Bertha Faye, Lioness Asaka, or Asaka, excuse me, uh, Tamako Wat Watanabe, they defeated Alundra Blaze, 
Shaparita Asari. Uh, sorry uh, about that. Uh, Kyoto Inoue. I-, I don't know how to pronounce her name. And uh, Saki Hasegawa in 10 minutes, 1 second. That was the Survivor Series match. Uncle Dave gave it 2 and 3 quarter stars. Gold Dust defeated Bam Bam Bigelow in 8 minutes, 18 seconds for a star. Uh, Fatu Mark Henry, not Mark Henry, this is before his time. Fatu, Henry O. Godwin, you know, hog. Uh, Savio Vega and The Undertaker defeated Hunter Hearst Helmsley, Isaac Yankum, DDS. Wow, Undertaker and Kane on opposite sides of the ring. How about that? Uh, Jerry Lawler and King Mabel in 14 minutes, 21 seconds. Another Survivor Series match. It got a star and a half. Yeah, uh, good God, these teams. <laughs> Uh, I don't... Fatu might have been, but I know Henry, like, backstage at least, Henry O'Godwin, Savio Vega, and Undertaker were all part of the Bone Street crew, as far as I'm aware. I think Savio was. I'm pretty sure Fatu was, like, grandfathered in, maybe, because of Yokozuna. I could be wrong, but... Yeah, on screen, that team is effing weird. Uh, Triple H, Jerry Lawler, and King Mabel, alright, cool, they're all kingly, and then Isaac Yankum was Jerry Lawler's dentist, so I guess that kind of makes sense. Whatever, still dumb. Uh, next up is a Survivor Series match. Ahmed Johnson, Shawn Michaels, Psycho Sid, and the British Bulldog defeated Dean Douglas, Owen Hart, Razor Ramon, and Yokozuna in 27 minutes, 24 seconds. I uh, can't remember per se, but I'm gonna assume Yoko did pretty much nothing. Uh, this got three and a half stars, so there you go. And the main event, it was uh, Bret Hart defeating Diesel for the WWF title in an ODQ match. It went 24 minutes, 54 seconds. Got three and a half stars. It was uh, one of the better matches all year, especially in the WWF. But just, uh, it, was a, it was a damn good match, I remember. Bret Hart and Diesel didn't usually miss when they, uh, when they were facing each other. So it, it was pretty good. I enjoyed it. Uh, and uh, so did Uncle Dave. But all in all... Not terrible from the ratings. Uh, some decent matches. Survivor Series is always a mixed bag, so it is what it is. But that wraps up the show, ladies and gents, and uh, everything in between. So I hope you all enjoyed it. I know I flew solo today. Sorry about that. I don't know what's coming next week. Uh, it it will uh it will be a show. So yeah, uh, this was our second show of November. We've got. God help us, three more coming up, plus a bonus episode. I might scrap the bonus episode this month, uh, kind of like I did last month. Mi- last month was unintentional. All right, I did not mean to uh, completely scrap one of our weekly shows and just do a bonus, but I lost the recording for uh, one of our shows, so that's being bumped to next year. Uh, God willing, and the creek don't rise. So uh, that's one of my Midwestern old white people sayings that Greg loves to laugh at, but anyway... Yeah, so next week, it is the 15th. We've also got the 22nd and the 29th to wrap up November. I'll figure it out. I've got one locked and loaded in the can for the bonus episode. So we will definitely at least have a bonus. So I might scrap the 22nd show in place of the bonus. And I'll just drop it early on that Wednesday. And uh, yeah, because that's a lot. It's two days before Thanksgiving five shows in holiday month it's 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 a lot same with uh december uh looking ahead to december how many weeks we've got we've only got four weeks so uh, or four wednesdays i should say so it's it's not terrible but i am going on vacation uh i i will be gone from 
like that first weekend, a long, I'm taking a long weekend, like a week off, uh, bleeding into that weekend of December there. So I'll have less time. I am not touching my damn computer very much, and I'm definitely not editing audio and all of that crap while I'm on vacation. Uh, so, you know, it is what it is. The YouTube channel will, will suffer a little bit. But uh, I did want to wrap this up by saying thank you to everyone who has checked out the YouTube channel and has subscribed. If you haven't already, if you got to make an account, please do. Just, I, I know, it, oh, it burns, it hurts, oh, I can't do it, I, I can't put in my name and, and, and my email address. Just do it, man. Just sign up for a YouTube account. Subscribe to us, and only us. I mean, there's other cool stuff on YouTube, too, but definitely subscribe to us. You can get more current stuff if you uh, if you check out Jacob Grandi's Curtain Jerkin, which we talk about on the show uh, sometimes. Jacob Grandi posts his podcasts in podcast form, but they're in video form on the Main Event Marks YouTube page. So go check that out. He's got his own stuff, man. Uh, so if you want current stuff that isn't from us, go check it out. And, uh, yeah, and, and then we've got our Marks on Media that are all over that SOB. Uh, Marks on Media, we cover Marks on Games, Marks on Anime, Marks on TV, and Marks on Movies. I don't do as much on anime, but once in a blue moon I'll do something. Uh, those don't get the numbers like other things do. I guess weebs don't really care what a wrestling fan has to say about anime. But I do like anime, and I'm a bit of a weeb, so... Check that out. I'm a big movie buff and TV buff. Most, uh, A lot of our video game stuff is, some of it's just me, but uh, Greg is involved with a lot of it as well. So if you want more stuff, check that out. I update it multiple times a week. Tons of great content on there. And all the part podcast archives are on there as well. So go look up Main Event Marks. It's youtube.com forward slash at Main Event Marks youtube.com forward slash at main event marks and that is uh that is our channel subscribe we've got over a thousand subscribers now so that was a big hurdle that we were trying to jump thank you everyone thank you so much i appreciate it we're getting close to being able being able to monetize this thing and actually make this a paying side gig and not just a hobby that would that's the goal right we've been going for over three years with this podcast ever since uh 20 the spring of 2020 so, by God, or summer of 2020, whatever. But thank you all, all of our loyal listeners and watchers. I appreciate it. We're keeping this going the best that we can. I'm limping it along here, and uh, we're bringing you some some new stuff every single week. I'm trying to give you the best bang for your buck, and uh, which is $0 at this point. But I, I'm thanking you for staying loyal. I'm thanking you for listening and watching this long. I appreciate it, and we will see you next week when I figure out what the hell the show is going to be. See you next week.